You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast. Episode 106. Brought to you by Vessi Seeds. Hey everybody, it's Greg here and it's uh, around the last couple days of December 2010 and doing the first podcast of 2021, right? This will be uh, out on um, whatever that day is. I think it's January 2nd, the Saturday, first Saturday in January. Uh, so uh, I was trying to think of a topic to, um, to wrap this episode around. And uh, I don't know why. Sometimes you just got to go with what, what you're thinking about. And uh, I got thinking about just how, how, much, how important it is and how much use there is as a gardener to put almost as much energy into improving your knowledge and skill as a gardener as there is to putting your, improving your knowledge and skill in the kitchen. Okay, so that's what this episode's about. Why it's important as a gardener to spend almost as much energy as you're putting into your learning uh, and reflecting and all sort of stuff in the garden. I'm pointing this way because my garden's over here, <laughs> right? Uh, as it is to improve in the kitchen. In every facet of, of you know, being in a kitchen, doing in a kitchen, working in a kitchen. Okay, because the two go together, right? Um, and I'm recording this outside because I, I sort of I, I committed. To, we'll see how this works, but I committed a few months ago to uh, I can't remember what point in the year I, I decided to start doing this, but to start recording the podcasts uh, outdoors. It's just a more pleasing pleasing to the eye setting uh, as opposed to doing it in my office. I've noticed uh, the viewers seem to prefer it. Uh, I prefer it. I feel like I'm more alive out here. Right? <laughs> it's a bit cold today. I got. I should have worn. I don't know why I wore these fingerless gloves. It's, it's it's a bit too cold for this sort of. This is like zero degrees Celsius, and it's probably minus five right now, and the sun's setting. So uh, I'm on a deadline here, <laughs> right? Um, anyway, this is a, a sort of spot on my property where the wind isn't so bad, so I can do this sort of thing. Uh, so you're out in your garden, and you're growing food. Right? And so at some level, it's all about the food. I mean, sure, you're getting your exercise and you're getting some sun and some fresh air and you're getting the stress relief that goes with all of that. And you're, you know, connecting with nature uh, and the natural world and you're, you're learning. And, you know, there's all those benefits of being out in a garden. Um, but the end product of having a vegetable garden is buckets and buckets of food, depending on the size of your garden. So then, you know, it's, it's in your interest to, ev as much as you want to evolve as a gardener, how do I grow more food with less work and less energy and less cost and get better results, right? That's a simple way of putting it. It's, it's equally in your interest to say, well, how do I make the best use of all of that stuff that I grew, right? How do I prepare it in a way that everybody enjoys it? So. You know, there's some things you might grow in your garden. Nobody in your family likes it. You gotta threaten your kids with taking away their PlayStation or you know some some consequence, right? Uh, that sort of thing. And your spouse is sort of you know pushing it around with a fork and being very diplomatic about things. But uh, <laughs> and it just may be that nobody in your family likes that thing. Maybe nobody likes broccoli, whatever the thing is. Or it could just be that you could make a couple little changes to how you're preparing it and everybody loves it, right? Um, so, um, you know, the more skill you have in, in processing the food, um, the more you're going to get out of your garden, right? You're going to get more, more value 
out of the time and energy you've spent there, more value out of just what's being produced by the sun's energy and uh, nature and that sort of thing, is just worth your while. And there's a lot you can learn in terms of improving your ability in the kitchen. Um, I look at it the same way as I, I consider gardening a, a lifelong learning experience, right? You're, I like to think that uh, the week that I die, I'll be well enough to be out in my garden and I'll see something happening in one of my vegetable rows and I'm like, hmm, you know what? Next year, I think I'm gonna do this other thing, right? I'm gonna have some new idea, some insight, you know, <laughs> maybe even the day I die, maybe I'm laying in bed going, ah, I should have put my tomatoes like this, right? I'm hoping I have an insight like that. You know, I hope it just continues, right? I hope I don't figure it all out. That'd be kind of boring. I remember a guy, uh, a friend of mine, who's the same age as me, smart guy, highly educated, uh, and he made some comment like, uh, well, isn't gardening boring? You're just doing the same thing every year. I'm like, good God, you know, for a smart guy, I don't think you know much about gardening because, you know, once you get into it, you never do the same thing every year, right? And, uh, you know, the, 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 and... Uh, Really, <laughs> if you're growing in the same place, you know, every year, so you get the same sunlight and the same general climatic conditions, it should be that you can take pictures of your garden from year to year. And I mean, some years are better than others, of course, right? But you're gonna observe a general process of improvement, right? Bigger, greener, more impressive, right? <laughs> and ideally less work, right? Um, the same thing can happen in, in a kitchen. I, I'm surprised that, you know, when I go to a, a grocery store and I'm watching what people buy, it's like nobody knows how to cook anymore. This processed thing, this prepared thing, they buy a platter of the vegetables already cut up, they, get, they buy something where the flour's already tur been turned into some, you know, delicious, you know, soft, fluffy thing, right? They buy a cake mix, they can't make a cake just using flour and sugar and oil, um, blah, 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 blah. And one of the main things people all say is, oh, I don't have the time. That is the most ridiculous excuse. I can make a cake from scratch, in the exact same amount of time that I can make a cake from a cake mix. And I can actually making it from scratch or from a cake mix takes less time than for me to drive to the store where the cake mix is sold or to drive to a store where I can buy a cake because that's actually about 15 minutes from my house, right? And about five minutes I can, put, I can have a cake in the oven, right? So the, the argument that I, it takes so much time, I don't have the time, you know, that's something people have been told. It's not true, <laughs> okay? <laughs> you can argue with me and we can, we can debate this in the comment section, sure, uh, as, as, as pointless as that is online. But uh, uh, as a person with reasonably good cooking skills, uh, I've, I don't see any, any validity in that argument at all. It's a great argument to make if I'm trying to sell you something that I made for an outrageous price. It's the best argument ever. Ah, you have a busy, fast-paced life. You can't make a cake. Buy Jiffy Cake, and then you won't have to uh, go through, you know, they'll show some uh, poor, poor sucker in the kitchen. There's flour everywhere, and there's stuff everywhere, and they're making a mess, and they cut the finger off with the knife, and they don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> right? It's a snake oil salesman move, right? It's in the same way that people look at your garden and say, how do you do that? Where do you find the time? Right? But because, you know, especially if you watch my channel and other channels like it, you're a no-till gardener, you're like, geez, I hardly do anything out there. I just go out there to collect food. And for me, actually, the most busy I am, the, the most activity I spend uh, in my garden is collecting food, right? Is bringing it in the house and finding things to do with it, processing it and storing it, 
or cooking it in some way, right? That's the most uh, uh, August, September are the most busy months. And I'm not doing any watering or weeding or tilling or I'm not doing anything in terms of like what people think of as gardening. I'm just picking, I'm just collecting food from my backyard and trying to use it all up, right, in different ways. Uh, so I thought I would just run through in this podcast episode uh, all the different ways that it's, all the different benefits you can gain, right, for, um, from learning to improve as a cook in the kitchen. Okay, and I'm not trying to shame anyone. I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm better than you or anything like that. It's really not my goal. Um, I'm trying to explain how much I've learned, right? How useful this has been for me, right? Going from, you know, at some point in your life, you're a kid, you don't know how to do anything, right? And then at some point, you know, now I'm 48, I know, I know how to do a lot of things that most people don't seem to know how to do. Based, again, this is based on what I see people buying in the grocery store. Right? When, I'm, when I'm standing in the checkout line buying my groceries, I'm buying basic ingredients that I make things with. Everybody else is buying made things. So the conclusion is they don't know how to make things. Right? Um, so let's get going here. Let's, let's run through these things. Number one. If, for me, this is number one. Flavor. Right? Just enjoying. Um, sure, you could take everything in your garden, boil it, and eat it, right? Uh, and a lot of times people make comments on my videos. Oh, I like that in soups. Oh, I like that in soups. Oh, I like that in soups. Oh, I like that in soups, right? <laughs> so yeah, which is kind of like boiling it, right? And sure, I, I use a lot of things in soups, right? But a lot of these things have other uses aside from just being put in a soup, like um, a parsnip, for instance. You know, I'll uh, make a video on parsnips. Oh, I like those in soup. I mean, soup, is what I put parsnips in when I've got leftover parsnips or I don't know you know I don't have enough to make a side dish for a meal because roasted parsnip you know you toss it in a little salt pepper maybe some rosemary maybe some garlic a little bit of olive oil toss that around a little bit in a pan roast that in the oven in like chunks about the size of my thumb that is a solar system away from just having a little hunk of white stuff in a soup it's so much better and it takes maybe a couple minutes to do that. And for that matter, I mean, you learn these things. Um, you think of the parsnip, oh, I gotta peel that. I never peel mine, never. Uh, even the ones I get stored, you know, I pick them, I don't really clean them, I put them in a cardboard box, they're in the garage. Uh, when I take them out to cook them, I just scrub them, cut them up, and in the oven they go, right? And I do, do them other ways too, and there's little tricks. You don't have to always roast them in the oven. You can take those chunks, put them in the microwave on the potato setting, Basically, you think of how many potatoes worth of parsnips do I have in there. Then you take them out of the microwave and you throw them in a pan, a skillet, some olive oil and some garlic and salt and pepper, and, and just brown them like that, way quicker way. And that's another way to, to get that nice sort of sauteed, browned, roasted uh, parsnip uh, enjoyment. So there's so much more you can do with it, right? Um, so, or boiling, you know, I'll watch one of these cooking shows, they'll make like a puree. Um, that doesn't even come, sure, that's one way to prepare a parsnip, but man, it doesn't even come close to some sort of sauteed brown sort of thing. Uh, so flavor is a key one, right? How to take all those things you're growing and transform them using salt and seasonings and, you know, various techniques, you know, searing, uh, 
you know, maybe uh, using salt to draw the water out so that it changes like the way I've done videos on how I cook um, zucchini, for instance, right? And learning from other cultures and all of these things, right? Uh, to get the, get the flavor out of that thing in such a way that it's just, I mean, you imagine if you take zucchini and cut it up in, in chunks and steamed it. I mean, it's food. It's kind of mushy food. Now, by contrast, you take zucchini, you cut it into, you know, uh, you know slices, you massage it with some uh, salt, and uh, you just have it on the counter while you're doing other stuff, and every once in a while you give it a little massage. And after a couple uh, hours, all this water comes, you can squeeze all this water out of that zucchini. Okay, now you've got an ingredient that you can saute, uh, you know, because the water and the salt come out of it, it's slightly salted. Uh, now you've got an ingredient, you can saute that around, and it's, it's, it's completely different. You can add things to that too, as well, but you've got this nice little side dish. You've, you've found a way to use your zucchini, because if you grow zucchini, you have so much you don't know what to do with them, right? You can turn it, I, I use, uh, I store a lot of it as relish, but I also, and just this year I figured that out, how to use the uh, salt to sweat the moisture out, to turn it into another thing that you can saute. And I learned that from watching a Korean lady on, t uh, on uh, YouTube show how to prepare um, this nice Korean dish called bibimbap, which I also make. Um, but that was, she was showing how she, how she prepares the, um, the zucchini for that dish. So flavor, right? You got all this food in your garden, you're enjoying it to some extent. What if you could enjoy it twice as much? What if you can enjoy it three times as much? What if when you bring something into the house, your kids say, oh, you're cooking that tonight, I love that, right? As opposed to, oh, do we have to eat that, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's the goal. And you know, you can improve in that category every single year, you can get better. Um, and you're gonna fail and, and assume you're going to fail and you're gonna cook something and it's gonna taste horrendous. Assume that because it's going to happen because you're trying you're trying to learn you're gonna fail while you're learning But the overall overall, you know, you know th think of a graph, you know, it goes up But it's not a straight line usually it's down up down up, but the pattern is up right flavor health, right? Um, the better you are at you know preparing and using the food in your garden the more of it you're gonna eat the greater a portion of your diet that stuff's gonna take up and, uh, you know, I don't think it's too outrageous a claim to say that uh, having a, uh, a good portion of your diet being plant-based uh, using healthy ingredients. Sure, if you're eating, uh, you know, strawberries a plant, and if you have uh, two tablespoons of strawberry jam with every meal, that's probably not uh, the best idea, interpretation of a plant-based diet, right? <laughs> but, I mean, if you're trying to... You know, there's a, you know, I don't think it's an outrageous claim to say that if you're uh, having a, a high proportion of your diet being uh, vegetable, plant-based sort of thing, it's, uh, I found anyway, the, the weight seems to, it's not like it, the weight doesn't peel off, but it seems to uh, help to maintain your weight, uh, just as you're getting a lot of different vitamins and minerals that you wouldn't otherwise get if you're just eating starch. I don't uh, take any vitamins at all. Uh, I'm lucky I have good health. Um, if you got, if you're health compromised, you, sometimes you need to take a vitamin supplements, but I go to the doctor every year, I get a blood test, right? I mean, <laughs> the science <laughs> says, right? <laughs> I get a blood test, you know, they take a bunch of blood under me, they examine it for everything. 
it's all there, <laughs> right? So, you know, I'm eating all these vegetables. You know, I have fish and I have meat and I have eggs and things like that as well. I am 100% dairy-free because I just can't, can't deal with it. But hey, turns out you don't need it. And neither does any other animal on earth except human beings because we like it and some of us can handle it. But it's <laughs> a side topic I wouldn't want to get on. Uh, I'm just, uh, I would still be having, all, it's not a, some sort of a principled stand I've ever taken. Uh, at some point in my life, I just became less and less able to, you know, drink milk and cheese and butter and all that fantastic stuff. I miss it a lot. Um, but it, uh, it just it does not agree with me at all. And that's another reason I had to improve. At some point in my life, I couldn't just add cream to things. I couldn't just add cheese to things. I couldn't add, I mean, dairy ingredients are like magical pixie dust that make everything taste better, right? I had to learn how to make food taste good without, because I love cooking and I love eating. And I had to learn a way to make the food taste good without the magic pixie dust. Um, luckily, I can still eat bacon, which is the magic pixie dust in terms of flavor. It's so good, right? Um, so anyway, uh, your health. Maybe bacon isn't the best thing to talk about in the same breath as health, but uh, health is another reason. You know, learning to make use of all the produce that's coming out of your diet, getting good at cooking it, preparing it in such a way that it's enjoyable to eat. You're going to eat more of it and you're going to have the health benefits that are purported to go along with having a, a greater proportion of your diet being plant-based. Um, satisfaction. Not smugness, but the satisfaction. The satisfaction of knowing you put a seed in the ground, grew something, and took that from soil to table. You know, there's a certain... I know, I, 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 I get that feeling every season. There's a certain joy satisfaction, whatever word you want to use, that goes along with knowing that you were able to do that and that you're doing it. And you're doing something that human beings have done since, you know, the Neolithic age, you know, like 9,000 years ago, right? You're doing this uh, sort of very fascinating thing that humans do, right? It's one of the things we do. It's one of the reasons we're a pretty successful uh, animal on this planet. We, we don't have to go to the food, we can bring the food, you know, we can, <laughs> we can bring the food to us sort of thing. Uh, so the satisfaction of just knowing you have the ability to do that. There's the savings and the economics, and I have a podcast on that, maybe I'll put a link to it at the on, on the end here, it's, it's audio, sorry about that, it's not, it's not, um, it's not a video one. Um, uh, but, you know, I've got, I did a graph when I was doing that podcast talking about how much money you can save by growing your own food. I mean, the simplest way to think about it is how much produce, because you have a garden, how much produce don't you have to buy every week? If that number is $20, you're saving 20 bucks a week. If that number is $40, you're saving 40 bucks a week, right? And then just multiply that by the number of weeks a year you, you, you're pulling that stuff out of your garden, right? And there's the added element to that because, you know, if you've been gardening at all for any amount of time, um, there's certain things and certain times of the year where you've got so much of something, you, it's almost like you have to eat it. There's a part of the summer where we're eating beans all the time. There's a part of the summer where we're eating spinach all the time. There's a part of the summer where we're eating zucchini all the time. There's a part of the summer where we're eating peas all the time, right? And we're, we're freezing it and storing it and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, but there's only so much room in the freezer. So the, the, di the, the garden is driving our diet, right? And a side effect of that is that we're not buying food at the store, right? Um, so the savings, the economics of all of that, right? 
uh, aside from the fact, the analogy I gave before, I think uh, one pack of kale seeds will give you probably $200 worth of kale. You know, if you're, if you're uh, savvy in the way you, you grow it and harvest it and you save some in your freezer, at least maybe even more, right? Uh, I get, you know, uh, let's say I start harvesting kale in July and I usually have enough kale, including the frozen kale that I put down to last me until end of February. Right? March is usually the time of year if we're really craving kale, we, we buy it. Generally speaking, we don't. Usually March, April, May, and June, because we know we're gonna have kale for eight months of the year. <laughs> we eat other things. <laughs> and we actually don't worry about how much those other things cost, because we're gonna save so much money out of the garden so we can buy eggplant and all these sort of you know exotic things that uh, cost a little bit more and enjoy them a lot, right? Um, so anyway, the savings and the economics. Uh, food security, right? Or, uh, you know, there's a sort of self that that's the whole thing of food security, self-sufficiency, I guess they're all wrapped up together. Um, self-sufficiency in the sense that you're, you're able to just do something that, you know, very few people seem to know how to do anymore, right? You can take a patch of ground and what, that the sun's shining on and turn it into food, right? That is the ultimate self-sufficiency exercise, or one of them anyway, a key one, right? But also just the notion of food security that, you know, if uh, things got, you know, if there were shortages of something, let's say in a given year there, there was some, you know, major, uh, uh, you know, blight or some major problem in the part of the world where the food you buy is produced, because very few of us get it from down the road, right? It's like, oh, there's no potatoes because uh, this one state that grows 90% of the world's potatoes was shut down for some reason. Well, I got them in my backyard, right? So you get that food security, just that sense of, you know, peace of mind knowing, you know, a lot of the things you like are just going to be in your backyard. Um, so there's also the, um, the sense of being able to, uh, teaching, teaching the next generation, right? Passing this knowledge on to the next generation, right? Uh, by having, uh, you know, working in the kitchen. They, they say the kitchen is the classroom of the house. I've heard that before. Um, your, your children are going to see you taking the food from the backyard into the house and turning it into something. You know, taking that, you know, you, get, you pick the potato out of the ground and a few hours later it's french fries, right? Or you're getting the squash out of the ground and there's this beautiful orange mashed stuff on the plate, right? They're going to see you doing all that sort of stuff, right? And you're going to involve them in it have them helping you. You know, my kids see me making pickles every year, doing the fermentation. They see me stick them in the, sticking them in the ground in uh, August to help me do it. We take them out, they eat them, right? <laughs> They're learning that whole process. They see me storing garlic and I'll tell, hey, go down in the garage, get me some garlic. I'm gonna, uh, you know, cook something for supper that has garlic in it. Go get me some potatoes out of that cardboard box uh, where I store them in, in, the, in the garage. They're being involved in that process Right? And when they're in the, you know, in the kitchen with me, they're seeing me do all of that. Uh, that's another element of it. Um, so, and even if it's, you don't have kids, maybe you have guests, maybe, you know, you're just, you might have neighbors, you might have other people. People are going to see you doing this thing, right? So you're, you're teaching, right? So just that aspect of teaching the next generation. Uh, another, and I guess I'm going to wrap up with this because <laughs> the sun's starting to set. Um, the, uh, the final thing is the ability to secure obscure ingredients. I guess I'd put it that way. Um, there are things you can prepare in your kitchen that can't be bought, 
right? Uh, I make uh, lacto-fermented pickles. Uh, you can buy lacto-fermented pickles, but man, they're hard to come by. There's not a lot of selection. Um, and uh, I really don't like any of the brands I can buy as much as the ones I've made them because I can adjust the, the flavors a little bit, right? Um, there's a thing I make every summer. I make a garlic scape pesto. You can't, at least where I live, you can't buy that. And it's a fantastic ingredient. And one of my uh, viewers just sent me a recipe the other day for fermented garlic scape pesto. So I'm very intrigued with that. I think that would be, and there, there's another thing you just can't buy, right? And the more you're doing stuff like this, you know, improving on your, your connection between the garden and the kitchen and always thinking about those two things as the same thing, like, you know, the dancer and the dance sort of thing. Um, you improve along those lines. You know, I've got these things I grow in my garden that you can't buy um, at uh, Bloody Dock. And uh, I rarely see French, I mean, if you live in a big city, you can get just about anything. I was just, I did an interview the other day uh, with someone in Ottawa and she could buy sunchokes in the grocery store. I don't know where you'd buy those where I live. I mean, sunchokes, Jerusalem, artichokes. Um, I don't know where. They're hard enough to buy in a garden center to plant, let alone in a grocery store as food, right? I, I have as many as I want in my backyard. I've got all the sunchokes I can take. And there's a number of exotic things I can grow here um, and use in the kitchen. And then there's, you know, then learning how to, okay, you got this thing like a sunchoke, Jerusalem artichoke, really easy to grow. We'll take any kind of soil. Well, now what do I do with it in my kitchen, right? So then you have to learn about that, right? But then you've got these, you know, these great ingredients and you can, sure, you can, you can roast them and have them in a nice dish like I showed in one of my videos, but you can add them to other things too. And they add a little, add a little bit to a soup, add a little bit to some mashed potatoes. It makes it a little sweeter, right? Add a little bit to this, add a little bit to that. Actually, I find the Jerusalem artichoke is another kind of pixie dust you can have in your kitchen because it's so sweet. Um, and when you eat them in large amounts, it can get, can get a little gassy, but adding a little bit here and there, just, it's almost like you've thrown a sugar into something, but it's a, such a unique flavor to add this interesting little punch to some things. Um, so anyway, uh, I think I've covered <laughs> everything I wanted to cover in this episode. Uh, you have a garden, you have a kitchen, they go together, right? They go together like eggs and bacon. <laughs> Probably not the best example for my vegan viewers, um, but they go together so well, right? Uh, so if you have a garden, it is within your interest to just continue to improve and you know watch a lot of cooking shows. I guess if I was to run through uh, right now, I mean, things, these things change for me, um, but right now um, in terms of cooking shows, uh, the two, there's two cooking shows I watch. I watch, um, this is on YouTube, it's all on YouTube. I watched Jacques Pepin, the French, French chef. He was sort of, a, I don't think he was a protege of Julia Childs, but he used to be on Julia Child. When Julia Child was getting kind of old and you know, unable to sort of do everything, he would come on and his sister, and then eventually he had his own show. I really like watching him and listening to him. There's a lot of knowledge and skill um, in everything he does, from, from peeling a carrot to making an omelet, every little thing, right? I like watching him. I've also recently come, uh, uh, and he's very, like he's been, the guy's like, I don't know, 70 something or whatever. He's no spring chicken. Um, there's a lot of knowledge there. Uh, another show I like watching is this one called uh, Town Sends. It's this guy um, who uh, uh, does like 18th century type stuff. And uh, I, I, know, I don't like everything he does, but he does this one, uh, 
one of his sort of series is 18th century cooking. And you'll get these old recipe books with, you know, measurements no one can understand, weird looking old English where all the S's are F's and stuff like that. And you'll take that old recipe, which is a lot of stuff you got growing in the garden. Another weird ingredient I'm, I'm, I should have mentioned was the salsify, right? I don't know where you'd buy that in a grocery store. There's a really interesting ingredient and it's really good to add in your kitchen. Anyway, he'll read these old cookbooks from, you know, uh, you know, a couple hundred years ago, and then try to make the food, right? And then they try it and see if it's any good. Uh, I find that kind of interesting because it's, it's, it's very basic and it's not like a modern cooking show where, you know, the guy's trying to do the most sophisticated thing in the world. It's, it's more like people who are literally trying to grow the stuff or cook the stuff they had are, you know, in their backyard with basic ingredients using very basic skills. So I find that interesting. Um, anyway, I'm getting all over the place, so I better, uh, I better bring it to a close. Uh, if you enjoy my podcast and you want to help support it, I got a sponsor, Vessi Seeds. You can go to their website, Vessi, V E S E Y S dot C O M, Vessi's.com. <laughs> go to their website and, uh, Buy something from them using my coupon code, G-A-V-S-2-1. You get free shipping on not everything, but most things. It really depends. Free shipping on everything that isn't an oversized item. What's an oversized item? If you're looking at something on their website, it'll say whether it's oversized or not. Uh, and all you have to do to get that free shipping is in your order with whatever you're buying. They don't just sell seeds. They sell all kinds of things. Uh, one pack of seeds in the order. I don't understand why, but that's whatever their software is. Uh, you have to include one pack of seeds in your order, which shouldn't be too hard for anybody who watches this channel because we're all about seeds. Um, and you get free shipping, which can really add up uh, depending on what you're growing. Examples of things that get free shipping, potatoes get free shipping. Um, I've bought, um, I've gotten um, uh, apple, uh, apple trees, you know, like the, what's it called, a bare root whip uh, delivered. Those are free delivery, right? So things like that really add up. Um, and this is a good time of year to start, you know, fantasizing about next year's garden, planning it out and doing that, uh, doing that online shopping that, uh, I've, I've been an online shopper since I moved to Nova Scotia. I, I went from, you know, I grew up here in Nova Scotia and then I moved to Ontario for six years for graduate school Then I moved back. And so I went from living in like, you know, the most other than like, there's a handful of places in Canada that are really heavily populated metropolis type areas. So where I lived in Ontario, pretty much anything you wanted you could buy, right? And whereas here in Nova Scotia, that's just not the case. So, and, I, and not only that, but when I moved to Nova Scotia, I didn't move to um, the biggest city in Nova Scotia, Halifax. I moved to this tiny town called Wolfville. Um, so that really anything I wanted, I just couldn't buy. <laughs> so I've been an online shopper since like 2003. Um, but many of you have just finally taken the plunge because you had to, because of COVID-19. Now you can buy things online. Vessi Seeds has been set up uh, to do that for a number of years. So, um, you know, um, you can, they, they sell to Canada in the U.S. If you're in the U.S., you can't buy all the things that people in Canada can buy. They're a Canada-based company. There's certain things you just can't ship across the border, like potatoes. For I think, as a general rule, anything with dirt uh, on it, we cannot transfer soil from from uh, country to country. Um, and there's, I'm sure there's other things for reasons that are beyond me. Um, uh, if you go on their website, in the top right-hand corner, there's a little 
flag, Canada, US. If you're in the US and you want to buy from them, just click the US flag. That'll give you the catalog of things that you can buy from the US. All right, enough about that. So that's my sponsor of SCC, GIVS21. If you want to help support the show, buy something you need from them. That's all you got to do to help support the podcast and the YouTube channel. Um, other than that, uh, everybody, it's um, 2020 was a, a really rough year for um, a lot of people. Um, from a gardening point of view, uh, I think a lot of people um, discovered a new, a new interest, a new love, a new passion, hopefully anyway. And I hope for some people that was the, the sort of little silver lining on the, the super dark round, uh, rain cloud that uh, 2020 was. Um, boy, I hope in 2021 we can come out of this and get back to something resembling normal. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I hope uh, going into 2021 we have a better year and uh, we can start, uh, you know, getting together with loved ones and friends and, uh, you know, things can just get a little bit back to normal. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed my uh, podcast. I hope you enjoyed everything this year and uh, I'm going to keep it going next year and try to, you know, keep the pace that I set for myself in 2020. I'm going to continue working on writing that book. I was actually writing a little bit this morning, so uh, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, these things take uh, time, and uh, I also don't know what I'm doing, so <laughs> I really don't know how long it's going to take, but uh, I will stay with it and see where it all goes. So, uh, everybody, thanks for coming. thanks for coming with me through all of this. I can't wait for 2021. We'll see where that all goes. I hope I have an even better garden than 2020. And uh, until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden. Thanks for watching.